Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Podcast, episode 403, recorded on Monday the 13th of September 2021 at 2303.10. Hello again everyone, and amazingly, it is Monday right now. We are back on schedule. As you can probably hear, I'm a little horse, which makes me a pony. I know, I know, it's terrible, but you do get it, don't you? Uh, Okay, let's see. Weird things have been happening since episode 401. Every preceding episode, that's the episode before, seems to more accurately portray, if you go by the title, the proceeding, the next episode. Now that I'm trying to explain this, it sounds overly complicated and not very important, but if you go back, look at the titles of recent episodes and their contents. My guess is the flow of time is thoroughly messed up, or I am actually insane. On to the next thing. (laughs) Let's talk about the absent-mindedness of age. I hope that's what it is. Do you remember how I misremembered meeting Alan Moore last week? By misremembered, I mean I actually never met him. Later, I also claimed never to have worn a top hat when I went to see cats (laughs) in the 80s. (laughs) I'm reading my show notes, it all seems very random. But yeah, in the 80s, we went to see cats and my mother accused me, she gave me a bemused negative compliment, of wearing a top hat. Since she's said that, I don't know if it's just that I'm extremely suggestible, but now I think I did wear a borrowed top hat. Or did I? Is this the absent-mindedness of age that I'm succumbing to? The Doctor in Doctor Who forgets things all the time, so if he's allowed to, why shouldn't I? And if he forgets things, it's usually with disastrous consequences, whereas when I forget something, well, it's not that important. Ah, it's really confusing. I did ask her subsequently about the top hat incident, and she told me, "Uh, maybe it was that hat that you bought in the second-hand shop and you cleaned and started wearing, and that was actually a fedora which is not easily mistaken for a top hat. But since she's put the image of a top hat into my brain, that's all I can think about. I think it possibly was a fedora. I wore a fedora quite a lot in my early teens to my mid-twenties. I apologise. <laughs> but yeah, fedora, top hat, I don't know. It's all very, very confusing. I don't think it's senility. I do hope not. When I look at 
how my memory has changed over the years, I feel, subjectively of course, that my memory has actually become exponentially better with age. I'm not boasting to say, oh look, I am now Flex Mentallo. When I was a teenager and then onwards, I needed a diary up till very recently just to remember to breathe. Stress may have had something to do with that, maybe, but frankly, I'm more stressed now. Well, there you have it. Perhaps stress has actually improved my memory and very possibly shortened my life. It's six of one and half a dozen of the other. Oh well, let's move on to another cheery aspect of the pre-show section. Constipated. (laughs) I have actually written down the heading constipated and I still feel like crap for so many reasons. Too tiresome for the pod, which I've talked about briefly before. Or perhaps not so briefly. But... Talking of crap, (laughs) I was a little constipated recently, and you know what? I love it. For the first time in years, I couldn't go. Someone with IBS will know exactly what I'm talking about. I believe it might have been because of me trying to kick a very powerful antacid I've been prescribed quite long term, after the side effects for that antacid became too horrible to ignore. Now that I am kicking that antacid though, I'm dealing with something called the rebound effect, which is why I'm a pony today. (laughs) Ah, okay. Happy Space 1999 Breakaway Day. It is today. Yes, happy Breakaway Day. I was recently tweeting, retweeting, really, because I tend to not so much retweet a tweet that I've already done, but retweeting the same subject. I tend to do that fairly frequently, at least once or twice a year for several years, about my experiences of Space 1999 and how my experience was rather more ethereal than yours probably. You see, my mum used to take me swimming on Sundays to Ladywell Leisure Centre in Lewisham in South London. The water was so chlorinated, though I did enjoy my swimming sessions, by the time I had had my cup of soup and a roll in the cafe afterwards and taken the bus home with mum and finally sat down to watch Space 1999, my eyes were tearful and blurry, and that's how I remember Space 1999. So years and years later, when I did get a chance to watch many of the episodes again, it seemed very different and not quite as dreamlike. Massive digression there. Where was I? Anyway, yeah. Happy breakaway day. I've got one silly little fact about Space 1999. Did you know that Space 1999 breakaway, which was 
Episode 1 of Season 1 was first broadcast in the UK on September the 4th, 1975. The 4th, not the 13th. But in the plot of that episode, the moon broke out of orbit on September the 13th, 1999. It is weird that these both happened in September, and I'm guessing that perhaps they had arranged to broadcast on September the 13th, but there was some scheduling change or something, and it had to be broadcast on September the 4th. The other thing that I don't know if I've just noticed this, or re-noticed this, again, the aging brain, I've just noticed that there's a colon after space, it is space colon 1999. Hmm, did I already know that? I'm not sure. Anyway, I will probably be revisiting the show because there were only two seasons, so I won't be giving myself another almost Sisyphean task like the Doctor Who Vintage Rewatch is. You have that to look forward to in however many years it takes me to finish Doctor Who. Second, a belated happy Star Trek day. Yes, there was a Star Trek day on the 8th of September. It was widely advertised. There were panels, which I could not work out how to see. I looked on YouTube, couldn't really find anything, no idea how to do this. If you're a listener, if you're a fellow Trekkie, and you can tell me how to actually watch these streamed, let me know. I couldn't find a thing, so that's as much participation as I had, just knowing that Star Trek Day was happening. While we're at it, I've got another Did You Know? Did You Also Know? That Star Trek's first... U.S. broadcast was on September the 8th, 1966 on the NBC network, but was actually broadcast first anywhere on the 6th of September 1966 on CTV in Canada. We in the UK, of course, didn't get Star Trek until July the 12th, 1969 on BBC One, and some episodes of the original series and The Next Generation were cut or censored by the Beeb. Yeah, I know, for a number of reasons to do with violence, portrayal of children, politics. We were surprisingly censored. I don't know if we still are, but there you are. Anyway, there's always other ways of getting the full uncensored episodes. Finally, as I said back at the top of the show, happy Monday, we are back on schedule. The science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast is back online and on schedule and everything is okay. Today, tonight, right at this moment, I'm doing the Everything Geek This Week episode, which will be released on Wednesday, and the continuing, everlasting, never-ending Vintage Doctor Who Marathon is taping Wednesday evening for release on Friday. 
the next vintage Doctor Who story that we talk about will be the Rybos Operation from 1978. I just also wanted to mention that my Twitter activity at the moment is minimal because I'm just not feeling well and it's getting me down. And Twitter isn't exactly the best place to buoy your spirits. Neither is any of social media. So if you want to contact me, do it in the usual way. Go to roymator.com. R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. That is it for the pre-show section, man. That was a very, very long pre-show section. Let us go straight into culture. And the first thing I want to talk about is a movie that I saw, a horror movie, and that is We Summon the Darkness. I have been looking forward to seeing this for a very long time. It came out quite a while back. I just didn't get round to doing it, like a lot of things. In We Summon the Darkness... We are in the midst of a rural satanic panic set in 1988 in which a group of three teen heavy metal fans, three girls, travel to a heavy metal concert and become embroiled in a series of ritualistic murders. I definitely enjoyed the 1988 retroness. I liked the teen slasher vibe. I liked the 80s heavy metal aesthetic. Horror and rock go so well together. The cars, the clothes and the cars, it was all great. However, you knew a however was coming, so don't look like that. As beautiful and as charismatic as actress Alexandra Anna Dario is, she absolutely does not look anything like a teenager. If you're wondering why she looks so familiar, she was in the Percy Jackson films. More importantly than a fake teenager, which is why I've left the sting in the tail for last, the film feels like it's over 48 minutes in, In fact, it felt so much that it was over 48 minutes in that I actually stopped it to have a look at the time. And then I looked at how much was left to see, and I groaned when I realised I was only halfway through. It is baggy. It is way, way too long, and not enough happens in it to justify its length. Like I said, I enjoyed the retroness of it, As for the film itself, not so much. It was just too long. I did like the little twist in the tale, so it isn't completely without merit. And that's We Summoned the Darkness. That's it for films this week, yeah? Not that much to talk about, as far as films that I've seen. Let's move on to The Walking Dead. It has returned for its final season, and I am watching it despite myself, which is what I say almost every time there's a new season of The Walking Dead. But this is it. This is the final season. I hope. Wait a minute. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Isn't this the second half 
of the penultimate season? Oh my god, there's probably another season. That wasn't in the show notes. Do you see why I don't bother with show notes anymore? It just flipped into my head. Oh man! Look, tell me if this is a final season or not. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure not. Oh god, how long are we going to have to wait for the final, final season? Ah. As for this season, it isn't any more intriguing than any other season. And as any other season, it generally is fairly passable entertainment. Passable to above average. But I just want this perpetual zombie train to stop once and for all so I can get off. And it doesn't look like... That's going to be happening soon. I'm sure we'll see Deputy Sheriff Rick again. Not so much as fan service. Wait a minute, was he a deputy or a sheriff? That was so long ago, I can't even remember that. If we do see him again, I'm sure it won't be so much as fan service, but for a very marketing reason, and that is to seed the spin-off that is in the works, and which I will not be watching. Much like I don't watch Fear the Walking Dead either, I'm sure the spin-off will be great. I think Fear the Walking Dead is pretty good. I saw the first episode or two, and talked about it in this pod ages ago. But I am just done. I'm finished with The Walking Dead. No more. That's it. At least when the final season does air. Breaking in here to correct my incorrect self with a hallelujah. Season 11 is, in fact, the last season. Thank God. Ah, Let's talk about Alan Moore again. Sounds like I'm turning into the Daily Mail with their coverage of the Raw family. But no, I'm not doing that. It's just that Alan Moore said recently in an article that he's brimming with fiction, which is absolutely great. But I'm worried he's leveraging his fame as a comic book writer to launch a prose career. Well, of course he's doing that. I would leverage my previous career as an... Oh yeah, okay. IT guy doesn't cut it. Oh, what, what the, wait, wait a minute. No, I do have something previously published. <sighs> Almost forgot. Yeah, I was a journalist for about two years. I would do that if it could help me sell something. I'll probably do that with podcasting. But yeah, I do worry that it seems to be a feature of aging creatives. It's... Not that you can't jump formats from comic books to prose. He's already produced a veritable tome in the shape of his 1,266-page Jerusalem, but one thing is very much not the other. Comic books are not novels. And without the discipline of the comic book panel... I wonder if he'll continue going all latter-day Stephen King, whose fiction is bloated to the point of gross obesity. Don't get me wrong, 
I love King. This isn't a hatchet job, but I especially love early Stephen King. Uh, a lot of his recent work has just become longer and longer and longer. I know this is starting to sound like the King of Austria telling Mozart that there are too many notes in his piece. And where do I get off telling these amazing people that their writing's too long? But I'm saying that as someone who does try to consume some of this work, at least I have with Stephen King. I haven't actually read Jerusalem, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's an absolutely brilliant, scintillating piece of prose. If you've read Jerusalem, let me know. I hope I'm wrong, but I can envision a greedy literary agent and publisher salivating at the prospect of multiple sales from their celebrity clientele rather than they've found something that is just so really amazing and genuinely does astonish them. Hey, I found the new James Joyce of horror, or Lord Byron of science fiction. Like I was saying about King, I like a lot of Alan Moore's earlier work, but even his later comic book writing, for example, Neonomicon, which I did review in this podcast. Can't remember the episode, but I'm sure you'll find it. Wait, you know what? I'll find it for you. Okay, I did a little search through the notes, and I found that I've covered it back in 2013 and pod 19. Wow, that is a long time ago. And I really didn't like it. In short, I found it distasteful, a low-wit western take on hentai demon porn within a crap X-Files-ish framework. Hentai is at least more honest about it. Like I said, though, he has become a novelist. He has written a novel before, a very long novel, one that I haven't tackled, and maybe it's my ADHD, but... A novel of over a thousand pages long has to be pretty damn special, so no thanks. This, however, isn't a hatchet job on Alan Mort, so I should also point out that there are things of his that I unambiguously like and even love. There's Monster, a very Future Shocks-ish like story about a boy and his monster. <laughs> which is really good, and again, I have talked about that before. I have also liked V for Vendetta a lot, the comic book, and to a lesser extent, the movie. The same could be said for Watchmen. I will also be covering the Bo Jeffries saga in the future, which is another one of those obscure comic books that you might not know of. And yes, I still just can't leave Alan Moore alone this week. <laughs> I promise there'll be no more Alan Moore in the next episode, I hope. And the next several episodes, and maybe not for a long time. Because the last three episodes have been Alan Moore, Alan Moore, Alan Moore. The show is an upcoming film from the mind of Alan Moore. And that's not what I've said, that's what I've just read. I'm not sure what his involvement is, whether he's a scriptwriter 
or whether it's based on a story or something he's written before. It is set in his native Northampton, which is just about a stone's throw from here. I got a little feeling of Moore's previous comic book work in the shape of the cabbie who is in the trailer for the show. He immediately reminded me of John Constantine's friend Chaz Chandler. I really don't know anything more about it. Fingers crossed it will be good. All I have seen so far is the trailer. Let's talk about Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Not so much my review of the film, but why I'm not reviewing it until October. I do really want to see this, and so does my mum, who was really taken with the trailer, especially Aquafina's performance and her humorous lines. They made me laugh as well. Unfortunately, my mother and father are classified as clinically vulnerable, at least according to the letters they received from the government. They got their vaccines a lot earlier than I did. While we are still trying to return to normal life, the prospect of stewing inside a cinema for a few hours is not appealing. If all I'm going to do is think about putting my parents at risk instead of enjoying the film. Marvel bullying people to see their film in the cinema leaves a sour taste in my mouth, or that might be my stomach acid. And so I won't be reviewing Shang-Chi until it comes out on Disney Plus on October the 17th. Not everyone, including me, can see a film the moment it is released. For those people, this podcast that I do might be for you, especially if you want to avoid spoilers. On that subject, actually, very early in this show, years ago, I mentioned that and even prefixed some of my blog post titles for reviews second run prior to the podcast taking over. And not that it's bothering me in any way, but no, I don't live with my parents. They live with me. We have been forced back together temporarily because of the pandemic. That is not to say that living as a multi-generational unit is bad per se, but for us, we need our space. You'd know this if you met us. Shortly before you started screaming and running. Hopefully, that will happen before we go crazy, or more accurately, crazier. I mean space, not that you'll have to run screaming. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get our space before that happens. And no one will have to run screaming from anything. I don't know where I'm going with that. I don't even know why I mentioned that again. It must be bothering me on some fundamental level. Let's talk about the Matrix Resurrections trailer. Oh my god, Neo, Trinity, and is that person supposed to be Morpheus? Wait a minute, where the hell is Lawrence Fishburne? He's not in this, is he? I'm also not too fond of the overuse of Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit. 
A song by Grace Slick is great, and it is relevant to the movie and the series as a whole. But it is an awful cliché, and I don't care for it being blasted throughout the trailer. Then there's the fact that Neo martyred himself and Morpheus and Trinity bit the dust, but here they are again. On the other hand, it has been so long since I watched Revolutions that I can't even remember the details of what really happened, which does suggest that it is time for a rewatch. Okay, lots of quibbles, but I'm not insane. Of course I'm going to see this. I remember the whole series, I remember the first movie, I remember some of my friends actually attempting to buy and buying and spending a considerable amount of money sourcing a Nokia 8110. Such was the influence of the cyberpunk movie in my peer group, which was decidedly non-cyberpunk. I think I was the only one who was into cyberpunk stuff. That movie, when it first came out, The Matrix, was probably the nearest thing we have to a William Gibson movie that we'll ever see, as opposed to the films actually based on his work that are about as cyberpunk as the fluffy slippers that I am wearing. Yes, no, I am actually wearing them. Listen. I don't know if you can... I'm waggling my slippers at the mic. This new film, The Matrix Resurrections, thank God no colon, will be released in the UK on the 22nd of December 2021. Welcome back, Wachowskis. Next, that Star Trek Picard Season 2 trailer. Picard Bot is back, this time facing Q in a time travel adventure to save the Earth, whose future has been altered into that of a totalitarian dystopia. Oh great, more dystopian science fiction. The time travel back to the 21st century in the trailer reminds me strongly of The Voyage Home, I'm not sure what to make of this. Of course, I will be watching it. But the first season of Picard, the tone was very strange, wasn't it? It was half deadly serious, half slapstick. It unsettled me. And Jean-Luc Picard becoming a robot? That's just the shock jumping moment. Let me know what you think. Lionsgate. I have definitely been too harsh on Lionsgate recently, (laughs) though much of their output is dross. A quick look at their offerings revealed movies like the new film Warning, which looks to be a movie about the end of the world, the IMAX re-release of Ghost in the Shell, the 1994 animation. Moonfall, which is definitely schlocky, but I love the look of that anyway, but let's look at more serious films. 
including one that I reviewed very, very recently, The Green Knight. So perhaps it's a little unfair of me to call them a house of schlock. <laughs> that would be a great name for a movie production company. Bet you that's already been trademarked. If it has, I want my commission. Still, even if I was too quick to judge, the Amateurville Moon, the werewolf movie, still looks terrible. We're in culture, we usually talk about science fiction, fantasy and horror, but this is a culture show, and I want to talk about music for a moment. Royal Blood appears to have returned. The drum and bass rock duo slowly releasing new songs on YouTube. I like the songs, I like seeing behind the scenes, but what I don't like are the high production value and overproduced music videos, which are slick to the point of cloying, and these videos are just wasted on me. I'd rather see footage of the band performing, or perhaps rehearsing, right in front of the cameras, it is far more exciting watching Mike Kerr in front of a bank of amps and stomping pedals like crazy, and seeing Ben Thatcher assaulting his drums. <laughs> I wonder what my extended family in Brighton think of the Brighton-based ban. Maybe next time I speak to one of my cousins I'll ask them, if I can remember. Next, ABBA has returned. The 70s superior pop sensation are back with a new album, press events, and a tour. They're doing a big show in London as well, which I probably won't go to, but I will appreciate them from a distance. I liked their new ballad, a single called I Still Have Faith in You, which has gathered almost 20 million YouTube views. I had a look at the stats earlier today. I like that more because of its nostalgia, and it's obviously aimed at us, the fans, than Abbott's usual and brilliant campy glam disco that I really do love. Finally, before we leave culture behind, this is an RIP to Maria Mendiola of Bakara. I've had the insidious Disco Earworm, Yes Sir, I Can Boogie, by the pair Frank Dostal and Rolf Sawyer from 1977 in my head since the 1970s. It was sung by Maria Mandiola and Christina Sevilla, who made up the band Baccarat. Maria Mandiola recently passed away, so R.I.P. Maria Mandiola of Baccarat. Let us move on to technology, and ProtonMail is thoroughly buggered. According to TechCrunch, the Switzerland-based encrypted mail provider ProtonMail logged the IP address of a French activist group after an order by Swiss authorities via a Europol request by France after ProtonMail initially fought off a direct order by France. The Paris anti-capitalist group are against gentrification, which does not sound like a reason for the police interest, but also just shows you what a pile of crap encrypted services are, 
when they fold like a cheap suit to the authorities. I watched a YouTube video <laughs> from John McAfee before he died saying that encrypted services are a waste of time because all they do is protect you from a man-in-the-middle attack. What I want to know is, why is it not possible to build a hands-off, non-logging, recordless system that not even the providers can access? I believe that ProtonMail had something like this before declaring quietly that they were now recording IP addresses, even before this incident. But now... ProtonMail's credibility is kaput. It has gone, it has been flushed down the toilet. Replies to all their recent tweets have not been kind. Don't worry, I didn't pile on. I'm more professional than that, but I did have a look what other people had said, and yeah, it is fairly damning. And that is almost the end of this sad saga. Almost the end, but not quite. Because, just to prove that we live in an absurdist universe where the gods laugh at us, the World Wide Web inventor and privacy advocate Tim Berners-Lee announced that he joined Proton as a privacy advisor. <laughs> uh, talking about things that have been buggered, let's talk about the ISS. The roughly 23-year-old International Space Station, yet yeah, that big shiny thing floating above our heads, literally in my case, you can sometimes see it, has suffered the latest of several malfunctions in the Russian segment. The last malfunction caused a smoke alarm. The station as a whole is due for decommissioning in 2025, but the way things are going, that seems long past its use-by date. I could say a few things about Russian technology, but actually I quite like some Eastern European and even Russian technology. Cameras, you know, I'm into cameras. Some of their stuff is not so bad, so I won't do that. I will say, though, I will miss the shiny and quite large ISS flying overhead. I suggest if you haven't seen it, you can see it with the naked eye. Google the schedule and see when it will be above you and wait for a clear night, if you can find one without all the light pollution. Finally, in the technology section, something a bit more down to earth. <laughs> There has been another microphone change. As I usually say in the gear section of my podcast page, my recording setup is subject to frequent change, and there has been a change. I have swapped the SM58 that I used in the last episode back to the Behringer XM8500 that you are listening to me speak through right now. Why did I do this? You would have thought the Shure is a superior mic. Well, it kind of is and it kind of isn't. The Shure SM58 is smoother at the treble end, which I do appreciate because it means less editing for me. However, it is also sensitive enough to pick up preamp hiss 
whereas my Behringer XM8500 is less sensitive, and so while my vocals might sound a little harsher, the overall audio is cleaner. I have tried using the noise removal function in Audacity, and that tends to help a little, but not as much as you would think, and that's a little disappointing. I've been thinking about this over the last few days, and I would say that my mistake is going from a good budget option, the Behringer, to a good mid-budget option, the Sure. What I should have done is go from a fairly okay mic to a professional mic. Yes, I did briefly try the SM7B, but it didn't seem to work for me. Maybe I should have tried harder. I'm planning another change to my mic, but I'm looking for something very much better sounding. Not different sounding or only slightly better sounding. I have absolutely nothing for you in the creative section this week. Let us move on to the after show. Ah, the after show. Only one thing to tell you in this section, and that is Doctor Who has not been forgotten. I said at the top of the show, the ongoing revisit will continue very soon. Wednesday, in fact, I have the next season of Tom Baker's Doctor Who stacked and ready to go on my Raspberry Pi. Sorry about my voice tonight. Like I said, I'm suffering a little bit from acid reflux. Well, quite a lot, actually. That's the reason for my wibbly-wobbly, scrapey voice. And that is it. The show that you've just listened to is made by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymator.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, although it is particularly beneficial for me, for you to review it on iTunes. Sorry, iTunes? Apple Podcasts? Unless you're a complete and utter... Or you can recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You are listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Podcast, episode 403, recorded on Monday the 13th of September 2013, but ending on Tuesday the 14th of September 2021 at 000259. How annoying that it just ended on the 59. Why couldn't it have been just at the beginning of the next minute? That is so annoying for someone with OCD. Thanks for listening and bye-bye for now. Bye.